This is the Lunduke Journal of Technology podcast for Sunday, September 18th in the year of our Lord 2022. And I know, I know for a fact that it is September 18th because I just looked at my phone and it told me it was so. <laughs> uh, how's everyone doing tonight? Right now, right now we are in the middle of DOS week, the let's see how much we can use DOS for some unknown reason challenge. <laughs> and it has been an absolute blast. Uh, oh man, this it, we, we all kicked off on Wednesday morning this last week. I did a little podcast about it and I was curious. I, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to see how much I can use DOS over the course of the week. And I'll, I'll write up my thoughts about it when, and uh, do a podcast or two about it. You know, just talk about how it went. But I wasn't sure beyond maybe one or two people how many people would really dive in. And holy smokes, have I been surprised. So many of you have jumped on board and, and been doing some pretty fantastic things. What I have truly truly been gobsmacked by gobsmacked i say is how many of you have attempted to run dos not in an emulator not in dos box and in virtual box or qemu or something like that but on raw hardware on bare metal and then and then as if that wasn't awesome enough a whole bunch of you have been like you know what I'm going to get networking working so I can browse the web from DOS on bare metal hardware. And it, it was fascinating. The first two days, there was a series of posts over at over on lunduke.locals.com of a number of you who were just like, man, I just, oh, it's not working. This, I can't get my Ethernet card to to the driver to load properly in DOS or I think it's loading but it's it's just it's not it's not communicating with the outside world maybe the packet drivers something's wrong it's just not working and then all of a sudden Friday morning it's like the clouds parted and all and the universe said you know what I'm going to allow all of these nerds to start networking successfully in DOS and people started posting screenshots and settings and ways they did it and their configuration files and everything over on locals to try and help each other get working under uh, under DOS and networking it's awesome it's just awesome there's been so much good stuff but Despite all of the happy, funky, and weird dossiness that's been going on, the rest of the world doesn't stop spinning. News still happens. So we've got some Linux alternative operating system and, and general retro computing news to talk about today. I've uh, got three news items. Three news items that I felt like were the most interesting, the most fun of the of the last week. And, and a fun... Fun anecdote, fun side note before we dive into these three news items. These were all put together. <laughs> so I, I make notes throughout the week. This is how this is my work process here. I make notes throughout the week when I come across news items. I'm like, that was awesome. That made me smile. So I write it down. And then at the end of the week, I, I look at them, evaluate them and think which one of those are the best. And that's those are the ones that I put into the, the weekly news article that comes out every Saturday which I base this podcast on. Well, when I sat down to do that this week, 
my internet was out. So I, where I'm at, I, I'm currently in the swamps of Louisiana. That's not a joke. I'm literally in a swamp. We were just we just saw a gator yesterday. Not a joke. <laughs> For those of you who have never lived in an, in a literal swamp. It is a literal swamp that I am living in right now. I'm not living in here for much longer. We, we, we just, you know, we, we wanted to live in a swamp. We've never lived in a swamp. We, we're from very far away from swamps. And it, it is everything that you would think living in a swamp could be, including, I'm assuming, alligators eating cable and internet and fiber lines. I'm assuming, because in otherwise perfect weather... The internet will just go out. It's just like it's gone. Like your routers just can't find an uplink somewhere. Like they're like, nope, I'm giving up. So my assumption is there's a couple of gators around here who have developed a, developed a taste for fiber optic cables. So my my internet was out. Well, okay, so, you know, not too big of a deal. As long as my cell phone data is strong enough, I can use that as a hotspot connect my laptop to it, and and write my articles. Really what I need at this point is just to be able to load web pages enough to get some screenshots, right? That's all I really need it for. I'm not asking for the moon. A 56K dial-up connection would do the job, slowly, but it would work in a pinch. So all day yesterday, I had what I like to call half a bar of of cell data it would be one bar and then it would just give up on me every every couple of minutes and it was just it was driving me absolutely bananas it was absolutely insane uh anyway so most of this this these articles these news items were put together with half a bar of cell data thankfully that is resolved they've repaired the cables uh, i'm sure the alligators will chomp on it again tomorrow when they get hungry <laughs> all right first first news item of the week uh and this one i think is pretty cool so kde the kde project has officially released a beta version of a television focused interface. They call it big screen and it, it's part of the beta version of KDE Plasma version 5.26. And and what's amazing to me about this here is number 1, it it almost gets away from me how high a version number KDE has nowadays. It surprises me. Because it feels like just yesterday when KDE 4.0 came out with the first Plasma desktop environment, right? I, I, I was used to KDE 3.5 something. Like that was the version of KDE that seemed to exist for a thousand years. And all of a sudden a, a KDE 4 came along and it was Plasma. You know, they added the Plasma name. And I, I remember vaguely that they made the switch from version 4 to version 5, but they still call it Plasma, and it still kind of looks the same. Well, 5.26 is out, and it's a beta release of 5.26. And what's amazing to me about that is when you release a product with a version number of 5.26, you expect it to be a pretty minor release. You know, like it's, <laughs> you know, because it's a point release. It's not, you know, it's not even a 5.1. It's a 5.26. <laughs> I 
Like it should be like a bug fixes and a couple of security tweaks and you know, that's about it. Maybe support for uh, Klingon a little bit better or something, right? Like, like, a, like new features, but like not ones that most people would really notice. Well, this release actually, I don't know, I'd almost call it like a 5.5. Like it's a, it's a, it's a pretty substantial release and not least substantially is this new big screen interface. Now, of course, most people probably don't care about uh, a yet another user interface for televisions. But for me, I, I've always found Linux as a as a home theater system to be extraordinarily compelling. I, I used to run Myth TV back in the day, and this was so Myth TV. You could get versions of it that ran on Knopic's live CDs. That were just great little Linux live CDs. This was back before every Linux distribution had a live boot ISO. Knopics, they really pioneered that, right? I mean, they were the first ones to do it well. And they included, there was one version of it that included Myth TV. And, and I used that version of Myth TV on just a big old tower in my living room for a while. And I know a few other people did the same thing. And some people had, you know, TV tuner cards for it. Uh, some people connected even like uh, um, uh, replay TV boxes. You could connect replay TV boxes to them using IR blasters and, you know, and a couple of little like capture cards and whatnot. And you could create really great TV interfaces for them. And of course, nowadays people use that less and use more streaming services. Well, KDE's come along and created this big screen UI that, that applications can be developed for and loaded into full screen. And it has a, has a very, it has a very normal looking grid, a bunch of square icons in a row sort of layout. It looks like every other random streaming service UI that's out there. It looks like Netflix or Roku or Disney Plus or Hulu. It's kind of got that same look, um, but it looks fairly clean. It doesn't look super cluttered. There's not a, a ton of advertisements or anything else in the way. It looks pretty straightforward. I'm going to read this little quote here uh, from the KDE team. Plasma Big Screen is an open source user interface for TVs running on top of a Linux distribution. Planet Plasma Big Screen turns your TV or setup box, I assume they meant set top box, not setup box, into a fully hackable device. A big launcher gives you easy access to any installed apps and skills, controllable via voice or TV remote. So, okay, which brings up another interesting thing here. They are using uh, Mycroft and uh, a couple of other libraries to do voice control. So you can use voice commands to control the interface. Nice. Cool. Um, I, I like... I'm not a big fan of voice dictation and voice controlled systems. I'm not a fan of any of that sort of thing. But if I'm going to use that, I want it to be voice controlled in a way that respects my privacy and that I have real control over the privacy and security of. And by using the open source components, 
it, this gives me that at least to some degree. And I, I really do appreciate that. Uh, check out the screenshots. It looks pretty good as far as, you know, TV set top services go. It doesn't look bad. It looks extraordinarily normal, um, but not old normal or new normal, but like current normal. <laughs> it is, it really does look like a clone of, of insert generic streaming service UI here. Uh, but if it's that, with a whole lot of open source and KDE goodness underneath and a lot of flexibility, well, you know what? I could go for that. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about where this project could go. Uh, good job. Good job, KDE team. All right. Uh, next one. Let's talk about Godot for a minute. So Godot is a game development engine. And the reason I'm going to talk about it here is because Godot, the game development engine, which includes, you know, graphics editors and level editors and uh, scripting languages and the ability to make 2D and 3D games, it's, it's all over the place. It's pervasively multi-platform. It currently supports exporting applications, games to Windows, Mac, Linux, multiple multiple BSDs, iOS, Android, the Nintendo Switch, Sony PlayStation 4, and, and even an HTML5 export option, um, which is pretty cool. I mean, being able to target that many platforms is just wonderful. I I love that. I love that a lot. I, I used to Back back when I when I ran a, a software company, I, I built a, a a a little visual application tool that exported out to a bunch of different uh, uh, programming languages and frameworks, so you could target a lot of different environments. And I've always felt that the ability to to create native applications for multiple environments was profoundly useful in helping the adoption of all of these platforms like Godot being so powerful and gaining so much traction and natively supporting Linux not just for exporting but for the actual development environment itself is a really big win. And the fact that you can export for multiple BSDs, like FreeBSD and whatnot, as well as Android and an HTML5 one, which opens up basically to any platform with modern web browsers. This is very, very exciting. Now, granted, I mean, obviously, Godot isn't supporting the Amiga and Haiku <laughs> and, and all, a wide variety of other operating systems. I would just uh, I would just jump for joy to see it support. That said, the um, number of platforms it currently supports is fantastic, and, and it's a, a really quality system. Well, so this new beta version right is out. Uh, it's Godot Beta 4.0, right? So that that came out in beta release this last week. That's a very, very, very big deal, right? It has a bunch of new features, uh, a whole lot of refactoring underneath. And why I mention this is it was not the only news item about Godot this week. A couple days before that, I think it was Monday, in fact, a company out in Ireland named W4 Games made an announcement that they had raised $8.5 million in seed funding intended to focus on development of Godot-related tools and services and whatnot. 
So now we have a situation where we're seeing tremendous advancements in Godot, which is already a very mature product, uh, at least in most cases. And we're seeing a lot of independent developers jumping on the usage of it. And on top of that, we're seeing a completely independent third-party ecosystem developing around Godot that is so beneficial that people see so much potential in that they're raising millions of dollars to create third-party accessories for Godot. That is really cool. Especially considering, again, the large number of platforms like Linux and the BSDs and Android and all of that that Godot supports. I love that. I love that a lot. That is an absolutely fantastic thing for Linux. That's a fantastic thing for a wide variety of alternative operating systems like FreeBSD and the like. Uh, that's just great. And it's great for game developers considering Godot, I mean, it's free. Beautiful. Beautiful. Love it. Uh, next news item. We're going to talk about Serenity OS briefly again. So for many of you, you've heard me ramble fairly endlessly about Serenity OS. It's a nice system, open source, developed from scratch with kind of an eyeball towards the 1990s, right? The, the general aesthetic is very um, Windows 95 gets a bit of a polish and, and tweak, right? It, it has that real feel to it. But it's a brand new system, and it's open source and modern in many respects. And they've been building a number of components for that system. And one of those components that, that every modern operating system ends up needing is a good web browser. And that with the philosophy of Serenity OS, they weren't about to go and take the Gecko or Chrome web engines and, and port them over to Serenity and, and put a put a wrapper around them, right? They just that was not gonna be their style. They weren't gonna they weren't gonna go and port cute and gtk to serenity and then just bring all the applications over no 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 that's not their way i mean that there's valid reasons to do that but that's not the serenity os way their way is to go from scratch right from from line number one from from uh from int main onward this is what serenity os was going to do from scratch so as they have built out this web browser it obviously has an engine, you know, it's got to render all the CSS and HTML and have a JavaScript engine and all that good stuff. And as that engine has matured, it's gotten to the point where it passes all the acid web rendering tests like 100% of the way, which does not mean you can use it for every website out there because every website uses one of the bazillions of different JavaScript things or CSS things or whatnot or the different DOM things that make it so that their website works because modern web browsers are just a complicated, convoluted mess of awful. <clears throat> but that's a that's another topic. Uh, but they they've gotten pretty powerful. I mean, it it is a somewhat usable browser, all things considered. Well, the the lead developer decided to make a a test, a trial run to port that engine over to Linux. 
and wrap it with a real simple web browser UI. Like it has an, a URL field and like a stop button, right? Like it, it was it was the most bare bones web browser user interface you could get. And he did it in a matter of a couple of hours and it, it, it up and working and he named it Ladybird. So Ladybird kind of made some news because, hey, technically it's a new Linux web browser, a brand new one, one of the first all new from scratch, brand new browser engine based web browsers that had happened in quite some time. Well, now Ladybird has split off from Serenity OS core. It's no longer simply a core part of the Serenity OS project. It's its own dedicated project, which is fantastic. I'm going to read a little blurb to you from the developer. I originally imagined Ladybird as a debugging tool that made it easier for people to remain in Linux while working on LibWeb, their, their browser engine, if they wanted to. It's now two months later, and I find myself using Ladybird for most of my own browser development work. At this point, we might as well tweak the scope from browser engine for Serenity OS to cross-platform browser engine and build something that many more people could potentially have use for someday, smiley face. And then he includes some screenshots and whatnot, and they look great. This is really exciting. While technically not a lot has changed here, from what it was before. But this, at the same time, everything has changed. Because now Ladybird is a cross-platform web browser project that was started from scratch with no legacy cruft, with none of that crust that comes along with what Firefox and Chrome use. Right? We all get frustrated at when Firefox and Chrome use, you know, 2.7 gigabytes of RAMs per tab. <laughs> That's an estimate. And now a real project is coming along, starting from scratch, that if they keep their code clean and they keep their eye on the prize, we could eventually have a web browser that renders normal, modern web pages in a reasonable amount of memory. That's a pretty phenomenal possibility. Even just mild improvements over what we currently have would be significantly worthwhile. So while this may not be usable for me right now for most of my work, I've tried. I've loaded up Ladybird and gone to, you know, locals and Substack and and my webmail and everything else. And I kind of almost works in parts, but not enough to be usable for me. I see that it's getting closer all the time. It's closer than it was a couple months ago when I tried it on Inside Serenity OS. Significant improvements, faster improvements than I would have thought possible. And now that it's opened up and Linux developers and, and Windows developers and Mac developers can all join in the party and start pushing this project forward, oh my word, oh my heaven, how utterly delightful could this be? Not only does this say wonderful things about the the type of code that the, the Serenity OS team created here with this project. And there's a bunch of people beyond the core developer uh, that, that have, have contributed to this and done amazing work. 
But it also says, shoot, I'm just excited. I'm just downright thrilled. Where could this go? Could we in a year be using Ladybird for more of our work? Like our daily web surfing. Could it happen? It seems possible. I mean, if you look at the overall production speed of Serenity OS, if you go one year back in time and look at a snapshot from one year ago, and then flash forward and look at the current builds, the amount of improvement is staggering. The development work has been astoundingly fast and extraordinarily high quality. I'm seeing some good things happening out there. Some really, really good things. Uh, between this project and uh, the the Better Bird project, which is basically Thunderbird, only with a focus on quality and testing and you know fixing longstanding issues and whatnot, which Thunderbird team seems to just not do anymore. Um, well, shoot. It gives me a lot of hope that the web focused applications we use, the email, the web browsing, all web browsing, all of that could be coming into a, a a new renaissance. We could be approaching a, a new golden age when when things aren't quite so slow, aren't quite so bloated. I mean, this is the first time in years when I've had some level of optimism about the future of internet-related stuff. Because over the last decade, what have we seen? Continual bloating more RAM and CPU usage, things getting slower, things getting buggier, things becoming infinitely more complex, and by compare and by at the same token, almost infinitely more vulnerable to security issues and bugs and problems. And then here we are, and we see projects coming along. We're like, you know what? There's problems. Sometimes we just dive into the existing code and fix them like with better bird and sometimes we just say you know what let's start from scratch and just see how fast we can go and and uh and get to the point where we can do all the modern web stuff but from scratch without all that legacy garbage like in ladybird whatever their approach i love seeing this happen and it's really really exciting it's really really exciting all right everybody uh so that's that's the news for this week i would like to remind folks because uh, I, I, I need to remind folks, we have a sale going on right now, and it is the last sale that I intend to have for the Lunduke Journal in a, for a very long time. Uh, we have this sale because I did a sale, and then people missed the sale, and we're like, please, Lunduke, I need more of the sale. Let me have the sale. So I, so I re reactivated the sale. So here's what I'm doing. We've got the sale up right now. It's only active during this DOS week. So on Wednesday morning, when DOS week concludes, I'll post a podcast about it, and then boom, the sale's gone. And then all the prices return to normal. Now, here's the thing. The normal prices for the London Journal subscriptions are, in my opinion, a really, really, really great deal. The amount of perks are insane. Uh, so many books, so many videos, video games, uh, exclusive podcast episodes, exclusive articles, tons and tons of stuff, right? It's great. The current sale prices are nuts. <laughs> Absolutely nuts. So what I've got right now is uh, founding member memberships are for a year, for one full year is 75 bucks. For the whole year, 
That's insane. Um, they're normally 125 bucks. Comes with all sorts of fun goodies, uh, including access to both Substack and locals. So we have I have two sites uh, that serve very different purposes: Substack, where all the stuff gets published for the most part, and then locals, which is more of the community. All the same benefits, all the same perks are available on, on both, regardless of which one you subscribe to. But if you do a founding member subscription, you get access to both. It's just it's just part of the deal for the whole year. And that I also have a lifetime subscription, which literally is that founding member subscription with all the benefits that I ever provide to anyone and access to both Substack and Locals for life. So you just never have to pay again. Not this year, not next year, not ever. And uh, uh, normally that's, uh, uh, was it three fifty for a, for a life? And right now it's two hundred, which is insane. It's nuts. <laughs> uh, but it's only that way until Wednesday morning. So go take advantage of it. Just do it. It's fine. Uh, and, and if you're like, oh, but Lunduk, you know, I want to support you. Is it better if I wait? I don't care. Save yourself some dollars, man. Times are tough out there for some people. Like, if Times are tough out there for all of us. Let's be honest. Inflation is rough. Times are tough. Go out there, save some bucks, get some goodies, subscribe to the the Lunduk Journal so you know that you get constant news and history articles and satire pieces and new books and new videos and all sorts of stuff. And you get that every single week. You get it every week forever. Just, just, just do it for yourself. It's fine. <laughs> but seriously, why I'm reminding you is that I'm not going to do more sales. Uh, this is this is it. Uh, this is it. The end. The the growth of Lunduk Journal has been phenomenal, and we just we we simply don't need to do sales going forward. Uh, we're 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 you know new people are are signing up for for the Lunduk Journal uh, every day. It's fantastic. Uh, the the growth is 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 wonderful. Thanks to all of you for helping spread the word. Uh, and so we we just don't need to do sales anymore. And so we're we're gonna cut off the sales on Wednesday morning. So if you want to get in. I super recommend just saving some bucks. Might as well. Um, if you want to do just the lifetime and you already, or sorry, if you want to do just the founding member and you already have a founding member, but you want to take advantage of the the kind of the, the discounted price to top up for a year, meaning just add an extra year to your subscription, you can do that too. Uh, you can just toss me an email about it or contact me about it. But basically, if you just go to locals and you pay that amount um, and I'll see that you're already a lifetime and just I can go in there and just add in the system one extra year of that full access on both the sites. Um, and if you uh, do the lifetime one, just do the lifetime one, man. It's such a good deal. Might as well save some money. Saving money is a good thing. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's like when I get like a free food item, right? Like if I'm at a restaurant and I get like, like I am like a member for their like f- special restaurant club or whatever. And I get like an appetizer for free. I don't know. I don't know about you, but it just tastes better. <laughs> Like, I just like, I'm like this, like this, I don't know, this fried onion petal thing or whatever I'm eating. It tastes twice as delicious as if I had paid the $7 for it because it was free. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't know. That's just me. Save yourself some bucks is fine. Um, But regardless, if you don't save yourself some bucks and you just want to wait and do it full price, totally okay too. Uh, You can do that on (laughs) 
after Wednesday morning. It'll be full price for like ever. So just wait until Wednesday. Um, anyway, thank you to everyone for your support. Thank you for helping to spread the word about the Lunduke Journal. Thank you to everyone who has just piled into locals over at lunduke.locals.com and just posted some of the most amazing stuff. Man, the last couple of days, it has been a deluge of fascinating posts from so many of you uh, from like simple reminiscing of applications and games to um people opining about the relative pros and cons of of dos and different operating systems to to people getting down and dirty with you know the technical details of hardware repair and and how to get networking working and all sorts of stuff and and transferring files around between dos and different machines it's been awesome it has been a truly, truly fantastic thing. I have learned so much over the last couple of days from all of you that I, I didn't expect to learn a bunch of stuff about DOS. I mean, come on. I, this is this is kind of what I do, right? Like, I, I, I should be the one teaching you guys. But no, you guys are out there teaching me all about DOS. I'm loving this. I am surrounded by brilliant, fun-loving, positive, and awesome nerds, and my life is significantly better for it. So thank you to all of you. I, I you make my life better, and I, I hope I hope I can return the favor at some point. <laughs> all right, love y'all, and I'll talk to you a little bit later. <laughs>